This is Life Made Better, a podcast from two coaches with a zest for not only their lives, but yours. In this series, Fleur and Lucia seek out tips, tools, and exercises to inspire you to achieve your dreams and goals. Join us and let's make life better. Welcome back to Life Made Better, the podcast where we interview interesting people that not only inspire us, but so that we can learn from their story and challenges. We're very excited about today's guest coming back. Yes, it's the first podcast person that's come back onto our show. So thanks, Jules, for coming back. <laughs> Jules is a mum of two children. She's a qualified creative arts therapist and runs EQ Prep, which is emotional intelligence, in a local primary school. Her attention is setting up EQ Prep was to help primary school age children to recognize, understand, and manage their feelings. So the children are going back to school, as we've just said, Jules, and we are noticing, even with our own children, lots of fear, worry, anxiety. So we thought you'd be a brilliant person to have back on (laughs) and talk to us about your perspective of how we can help our children go back smoothly in the best way we can with managing their feelings. Thank you for having me again. It's very nice to be here. Um, yeah, I think this is I think this is a really important topic for us to talk about. I've been really mindful lately of the conversations I've been having with people both professionally within the school context, with my clients that I work with, but also friends and my family, that people feel very differently about this going back to school conversation. And I guess their own experiences during lockdown have informed the way that they are looking at this return to school because for a lot of people it feels like this is just positive this is just great I think if you look at all the memes on Instagram of people popping champagne bottles and mothers celebrating at the thought of getting life back a little bit there's a sense that this should be just a joyful thing and what could possibly be wrong with going back and of course that's true to a certain extent but I think we have to be really really mindful of the fact that like with everything in life all of us are going to have a different feeling response to this. We have to be really careful not to guess what our children are feeling, but to be curious, to find out how they're feeling, to really ask ourselves how we're feeling about the situation and how that might be impacting on their responses. And to think about what we've been through as a period of intense difference and change and even if your experience has been positive the chances are it's going to be tough to reintegrate into the real world yeah and I think you mentioned something quite key about reintegrating and I know that we were talking about it just off the recording but you know my daughter who's five she started school this year well last year so for her school system is new news and she's had to go through it in this very weird time where she's not experienced school as we normally would have known it and so what we are experiencing now as we look at her going back to school is a similar feeling to what we had to do back in September of actually gearing her up, getting to sort of re-understand, and I'm quoting, re-understand what it means to go back to school because she is facing those same challenges and fears that we had back in September. Like, you know, 
ever since we sort of mentioned and after Boris's announcement of schools reopening and everybody going back to normal or what a, a glimpse of normal and then immediately like you know as parents we thought of that as a good thing and something that was going to be great not only for us but for, for the children we thought it's going to be great for you to be able to play with people your age do children thing and not having to be doing the parenting all the time but yet what we have found with her in particular is that she's not she's not looking forward to all back to school she said that she doesn't want to play with her friends and that she's not looking forward to seeing her friends which to me for example that was a bit of a shock so I'm curious Jules would you you know would you have any insights on that is it something that it is normal many more parents should be experiencing these or seeing this from this sort of normal perspective yeah I mean obviously the therapist in me wants to say any feeling is normal and there's no right way or wrong way to respond to this but I think that what you're articulating is a feeling of having come out of high or coming out of hibernation and I'm really mindful when we think I mean if you cast your mind back to your school experiences and this is particularly true for teenagers but it's certainly also true for children as young as reception age that we put on a costume when we go to school we put on a coat of armor that protects us we choose the person that we're presenting to the world and that becomes curated I suppose as you get older but at the beginning you learn what's acceptable what makes people appear to want to be with you or appears to repel people and you learn how to present to the outside world and I think that we're going to have to help children particularly little ones to find that costume again that that's school armor you're not just getting their school uniform and their shoes that fit anymore but you're reminding them about the person that is part of the outside world because they have been for a prolonged period of time and Three months in the life of a five-year-old is a huge amount of time. Not all children, but we're talking about your daughter for the moment. But a lot of children have been in a very safe, cocooned environment where they haven't had to confront the daily realities of bullying, of making sure they have the right books, making sure that they're doing the right things and playing with the right people and getting their schoolwork done in the right way. And suddenly they're going to have to go back into this again. And I can understand that that not only feels overwhelming but that we have a responsibility as parents and schools have responsibility too to prepare them as best they can because we know that nothing good ever came out of rushing things at the last minute you know I, I go back to that analogy of school uniform if we wait until 10 o'clock on Sunday night to check that the uniform still fits and that the school books are in the right are, are in the bag it's going to create panic and anxiety but if we spend the next week really planning and preparing with our child so that they're ready for Monday morning then that's going to make it infinitely less anxiety inducing for them and for us mm. what well, I'm hearing you say from your therapy and from being a, a great mother and all your experience is <laughs> kids are going to have feelings so as parents let's find out exactly what they're feeling and allow them to feel that that's safe to feel anything whether it's they're happy to go back or they're not happy to go back but allow that kind of safe space for them to be able to express themselves and then help them realize that these feelings are normal when things change and that they might feel uncomfortable at the moment, but we'll take it step by step 
and we'll be there for them. We're not just, you know, they're not just going back to school and expecting to be perfect from the beginning. And all of the children would probably be feeling similar ways and just help them manage their feelings by that safety and that connection. I want to just jump on something you said there. Very nice of you to say that I'm a good mother. Um, I, I'm sure that my children will have other things to say about that half the time. But I do think it's really important to be kind to ourselves about this. That I know you've talked on the podcast before about your own experiences with your children's mental health. And I am also the parent of a very anxious child and that's got nothing to do with being a good parent or not being a good parent so I think if you notice in your child that there are anxiety responses or fear responses or that might manifest itself in sadness or in anger that that doesn't mean that you haven't done a good job or that in some way you've damaged your child because everybody has had a hard time of it and everybody is behaving slightly strangely and feeling out of sorts and out of themselves at the moment it's completely normal and it doesn't mean that they won't go back to themselves but we do have to be really patient and recognize that it's not going to be that we shove them out of the front door on Monday morning and everything goes back to exactly the way that it was before and for those people who don't want things to go back to the way that they were before because actually school was a really unpleasant experience and something that they're dreading and fearing we have to help them to try to reauthor that story and think about strategies that they can use so that when they go back to school they feel that they can cope and I do think what I said earlier about being curious is really important here not assuming that we know what our children think about school you know my daughter said something to me this morning about when I said oh but you love school or something when she was saying she was not that keen about going back And she said something like, well, I kind of do, you know, but there are days when, you know, and and I think that that's the reality is let's not make sweeping assumptions about just because you appear to have a child who's fine or you appear to have a child who was not enjoying school earlier, that that is the way that they feel right now. So ask them, talk to them, find out preferably not face-to-face in a confrontational way, but when you're making dinner or you're on a walk or you're doing whatever, be curious. Mm -hmm. I love that you said, I'm so glad that you brought that up about being kind to ourselves because, you know, when I first had a child with OCD, I can remember so much guilt coming up of, you know, I've been helping children for 20 years and how come my child's got OCD and I didn't recognise it. So I think, like you said, we have to take the guilt away from us as parents and realize that some children are super sensitive and things happen to them and and to manage what's in front of us and not add the guilt layer to it because that is not helpful for anyone and also I love the fact that you said about you know just getting curious and having those conversations when you're out for a walk or you're cooking the dinner don't make it like let's we do need to have to talk about when you go back to school because that can bring up the fear whereas if it seems to be like dropped in a conversation when you're when you're on a walk things will just organically come up without that kind of them feeling pressure to feel a a certain way and and also getting them to realize and parents to realize that feelings do come and go and they might be having a really bad feeling for an hour one day and then you know you talk about some good things that have happened at school and then they they've managed to focus on the good and not focus on the you know the negative feeling so also don't kind of over dramatize when they do say because I'm having the same with my year seven daughter 
they haven't had this consistency of going back to school. And now she's loving being at home and she says, I want to stay with you, mummy. And, and she's got this fear of going back and tests. And it, it's just all the pressure again. But also I know, do know there's lots she likes about school. So I don't try to over-focus on the bits that she doesn't like as well. I, I think the other thing is being mindful of our response to this because obviously we're constantly modeling behavior to our children and if we are overly anxious or we are frightened to make sure that we articulate that clearly and carefully without putting it on to the kids but that's sort of been said a million times i think maybe the thing that's not being talked about so much is the other side to that coin which is not being too jubilant in front of our children about the fact that they're going back to school as well. I've been slightly taken aback, I suppose, by some of the conversations that I have taken part in where people have been so celebratory and yay they're going back and and I empathize with that feeling of course like we we need to get some work done and and we have to be able to live this has been so hard on so many levels but if you can get down to your child's level the feeling of rejection and not being good enough and shame that you would experience at these people who are supposed to love you more than anyone in the world being so happy that they're finally getting rid of you that they're talking about having wild parties and sort of drinking in the aisles at the minute the school bell goes that I just think we have to be a little bit careful it's not to say that you can't feel it of course like for a lot of you I'm very privileged in that I don't work all day every day you know I I, I have a a good balance in my work so I have been able to to manage this better than many of my friends who have just really really struggled with the full time working whilst trying to do all of this but which I think we just need to be a little bit cautious about that that joyful narrative. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I think there's also like because you know I I'm fifty fifty. I'm a halfway house in there. Like part of me, obviously, I was going to say happy is not happy is relief in the sense that I know I'm going to be able to do what I'm paid to do. <laughs> to be honest, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also. I really have enjoyed the unique time that this has presented for me as a human being to be able to witness my kids growing up. And even though I'm not going to say it's been easy and joyful because everybody that has had to homeschool knows the drill of it, but in a way being able to sit down with them and actually be in awe and amazed at how smart they are. And the things that I didn't think a three-year-old or a five-year-old would be able to do and then see them do it and be able to be part of that journey and for them to know that they can come to me and we've been playing and we've been learning is been a very unique experience. So it's 50-50 in the sense that I'm happy that they are going to be able to go back and have a bit of a child time, but also I'm sad. Because I'm aware that I'm not going to be able to spend that time with them or, you know, at least for the foreseeable future. We don't know what, you know, COVID is going to do in the next few months. Who knows? But if things go as we think they are going to, this may be it. And so part of me is also thinking, oh, wow, okay, I'm going to be able to do 
all these bits and, and work and not be interrupted and be able to look at my calendar and put in a meeting and know that I actually can attend that meeting. But part of me is like, when you were talking about being kind, I think we also need to be kind to ourselves and parents who are feeling this sort of dual feeling. I think you also need to be kind with that. But I also want to pick up on the point that you were saying, Jules, about speak to our children, find out what they're feeling and be very mindful of what they are saying to them. Because again, I go back to the example of my daughter. I was being joyful about her going back to school, sort of trying to put myself in that five-year-old world and think, okay, you're going to be, you know, going down the slide, playing with your kids, playing dress up. That's got to be wonderful, right? And then the reality of it is that that is not wonderful because what my daughter is seeing is I've been spending great three months with mommy and daddy doing what I want, learning a little bit, playing with my brother, going out on walks. I mean, life is wonderful as it is. Why would I want to change it? And I think we also have to hold that safe space and play it down a little bit. And I don't know whether, Jules, this is something that you may or may not agree with will be great to hear your opinion but I think if we put ourselves as adults in those shoes and think about like you know when it is announced that we are able to go back to the office how would you feel about that would you be jumping or would you be a little bit like oh my god I'm gonna re-enter the real world and again quote the real world how do I actually feel about that because some, some people might be, you know, willing to go and run to the office and be there at seven, seven o'clock in the morning. Some others would be like, I actually do not want to get back. And that doesn't mean you didn't like the office before and you didn't like being with your colleagues and you didn't like doing the job that you were doing. But maybe you have discovered new things in this pandemic world that you don't want to let go of. I mean, yes, absolutely. I think what you're... What you're talking about here is the fact that we all have different responses to any given situation in life, which kind of brings me on to how we conceptualise this pandemic experience and how we process what's happened moving forward. And I know there is a lot of talk about this having been a mass trauma experience. And I want to be really mindful of the fact that trauma is a is a complex word and it may be difficult for people who have experienced traumas in their life to think about this pandemic as a mass traumatic experience. But if we think about trauma, not as a single event, but as a human being's response somatically and psychologically on an ongoing basis to a single or multiple traumatic triggers, then this experience has for many people been traumatic. And in the same way that individuals respond to different traumas in different ways, we are all responding to this in different ways. And for many people who have not been able to have any real social interaction at all, maybe people who are living on their own, for people who have really felt the brunt of isolation, of being in tight, enclosed spaces, of spending all day every day on screens and not moving their bodies. They have for a very, very long time been in a flight response. And the chemicals that are triggered by that, the, the somatic response to that, which is that 
I mean, on basic things like our organs don't function properly, right? We are not functioning in the way that we best do in our rest and relax state because our sympathetic nervous system is overactivated. And then if you go be, I mean, this is a, a flower and I were talking about this before, this is a, a polyvagal perspective that I'm taking a trauma informed response. But, you know, if beyond that, then you're in for that for too long, then you can slip into the freeze response, which might be more of a depressive state that actually this experience has resulted in trauma responses. And we need to, we need to treat it in that way. We need to recognize that the, the cure, if you like, is finding ways to engage socially again so that we can find that co-regulation, so that we can find ways to be able to get back into a state of feeling calm. But most importantly, we need to create safety because the only way that we can exist in this state of social engagement, as Paul just called it, this uh, feeling of being kind of okay, is if we feel safe. And the reality is nobody has felt safe in the last year. And we have different degrees of that. And the extent to which we have been perhaps triggered by our past experiences of health anxiety of previous traumas is going to inform the way that we respond to this trauma. But we need to recognise that finding social engagement and ways to make children feel safe are the, the most important things that we need to be focusing on first, not, not their education. You know, it, it's, it's that and moving their bodies. But of course, that is is part of the, the trigger that the brain needs to believe that it is safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I know we're both on the same wavelength. You know, I've just studied somatics as well. So I've learned a lot about how the emotions are stored in the body. And when um, children can't deal with their emotions, how they do, it does get stored in the body and that importance of connection, movement, sleep getting out in nature is always of getting breathing is always of getting the body back in into that harmony that it needs to operate and feel you know feel safe and in modern day living living in a box and being in front of a screen is triggering all sorts of responses in their body all of the time the nervous system which is the soma is not in harmony so I think it's really important as parents that we've got some tools because I know we say about keeping them safe but I think for some parents probably they won't know how can they make them feel safe and you know I've obviously had some (laughs) had to deal with this before as well with having a child with OCD and things like havening like stroking her arms cuddling herself and stroking her arms and being able to breathe you know, breathe in and breathe out for longer and being able to put a hand on her heart and a hand on her stomach and just think into a time when she did feel safe. They're the kind of tools that we use and knowing that the school also, there's a contact in the school. So if parents do have a child that's particularly nervous, letting the school know so they they can be there to support them would be things that I'm suggesting. Is, Is there some other things that you could think of that would help? Um, I I ran a workshop a couple of weeks ago uh, at a boys' school for boys in years seven and eight, and I was planning on doing a presentation to them. And I asked before a week before if they had any questions they wanted to ask me, and I, I was I was genuinely moved to tears by the questions that these young men wrote to me. 
And it was nearly all about sleep and anxiety. And I think that, I mean, sleep has been a massive problem for most of us, I think, during this period of time. But my kind of number one piece of advice to parents would be to start today getting back those sleep routines and getting the routine back into the day generally so that children are rested because they're not going to be able to get up at 8.29 in the morning anymore. They are going to have to get up back early, back on that 6.30 train or that 7.30 bus. They're going to have long days. If they're tired, they're not going to be able to have a quick schluff at you know, lunchtime in order to be able to get through it. They are going to need to get back into that. And of course, we know that sleep is essential for for everything frankly but certainly in terms of our ability to be able to feel safe and to feel calm and and we need to get that back on track as quickly as possible so yes definitely talking to school talking to your child so you find out what's going on making sure those sleep patterns are there preparing in advance making sure you know where the uniform is where their books are where their bags are talking about what the routine is going to look like if you've got teenagers they're going to be needing to wear face masks all day every day you know that means they need to have a big stash of face masks in your house because they need to be changed regularly if for no other reason than they're going to get spotty if they don't do it you know that the basic stuff what's going to be different talk to them what's going to be the same and what's going to be different when you're back at school what are the things you're looking forward to doing what are the things that you are dreading doing and the important thing here we talked about this last time we spoke is it's about empathy and validation not about solutions so we don't have to make it okay for them we just have to listen and we have to validate their responses because their response may not be what we think it's going to be and whatever it is, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I always remember that, you know, connect before you correct. <laughs> so always, that always helps me when I feel that they come to me with a problem. Just connect, just connect, keep listening, keep listening. Don't come up with solutions because then also you're disempowering them in the future, aren't you, that they need solutions. But I'm also loving, I'm so glad you mentioned the sleep because that is paramount and if the, and that leads into the tech doesn't it that they put that away super early so their body is not overstimulated before they go to bed because that is again hugely damaging for the nervous system i think and for the brain so that they can't switch off and they feel totally over stimulated before they sleep it's, it, i mean i'm hugely sensitive to it if i have any tech an hour even the tv an hour before i go to bed I can't sleep. And I mean, I've even come around to wearing blue blocking glasses around the house at nighttime as soon as the artificial lights come on. So if you know your children are sensitive, there is ways of managing that. And one of the ways is taking that tech away from them, however much they want to keep it. We have to stand strong on that, I think. Yeah, no screens in bedrooms. I think it's worth talking about friendships as well, because I think that we have... It's very normal for children to have regressed over this period of time in any period of discomfort it's typical and common for children to regress so you know if you particularly again if we're talking about teenagers or you know early senior school children recognizing that it's okay for them to not to feel as big and brave as perhaps they did before that a lot of their friends will have similar experiences and reminding them about friendships should make them feel good they should be positive experiences you had uh, you know a great podcast a couple of weeks ago about bullying making sure if somebody isn't kind to you that you talk 
talk about it, you tell somebody it's not okay, it's not acceptable, reminding them, I suppose, of the rules of life because they haven't been engaged with them. And I think it's easy to remember to forget that as adults, we have still engaged in our adult world and they really, they really haven't. They really haven't. Maybe some of the older teens have to a certain extent, but primary school age children have probably forgotten some of the basics. And we're going to need to go back exactly like you said at the beginning of this and say to our children, how do we behave and what do we need? How do we ask to get our needs met? Mm. And I think it's also good to flag for parents as well because definitely the kids are gonna need that sort of safe space to feel heard but also us parents this is something that nobody prepared us for I mean nobody gave you a textbook and saying hey here's how you prepared for a return to school after the pandemic it just doesn't exist and so one of the things for example I I've realized that I was challenged by was the fact that I was seeing my two kids approaching going back to school from different perspective, one of them seemingly not too worried about talking about, I'm going to see my best friend, yada, yada, yada. The other one, as we spoke, and feeling a bit more challenged. So for example, what I have found that has been really helpful for me was hearing from other parents or other children and knowing that what my daughter was going through was exactly the same for some of the children. Because as they say, it's a bit like no comfort in numbers. So it helped me to understand that that wasn't a problem for me to solve, that that was something that might have been more common than I thought it was, and that they will figure it out. All that I needed to do was have that connection as a parent with other parents. So we understood that we were all on the same page, but also to better help me to see that that comfort, that safe blanket was all that was needed. So I think like, you know, if anything for parents as well, know that it's good to reach out to other parents or to some other people. So you can at least sense check is like, look, my kid is experiencing this. Is there anybody else doing it? And then be able to chat about it and, and you know, come up with, you know, a, a way of understanding how to help in a way. I would also say to parents, though, sense check who you're talking to as well, as as well as with the kids. (laughs) Be really mindful of who you're having your conversations with. Are they people you trust? Are they people that you'd go to for advice? We have to be very mindful of who we trust with our vulnerabilities as well so we get the right information. I completely agree with that. And actually, that brings me on to something that I really want to say as a kind of positive here as well, which is what can we take away from this experience and make sure that we keep in our lives and how do we make sacred those experiences that we have found positive and it may be having had a break from those poisonous interactions that you've just spoken of is a wonderful thing and it may be that sitting down in my family for example uh, my children are 12 and 8 and we started sitting down the four of us and having dinner together and not doing kids tea and then our dinner at the beginning and that's lasted and and I am determined where possible that's going to continue that's been wonderful you know to sit down as a family and talk about what you want to take away what you want to carry on and my profound hope one positive thing that might come out of this pandemic is this over-programming of children, signing them up to too many after-school activities, 
I mean, it's fine if they're passionate about it and want to do it, but, you know, just because the Joneses are doing it, you feel you need to do it as well. The over-tutoring, the over-stimulation, if we can take one thing out of this, is, is hasn't it been amazing when school has finished at 3.30 and then there hasn't been any arguing over, like, who's going to what club, what else is going on, that there's been an, an element of just everyone's getting on with their lives and not needing to be over-programmed. Mm, and being mindful, I think, is so important of not, over programming it and all that extra stress it brings into the family of who's going to drop them off who's going to pick them up and when are they actually going to get some time to be just kids and you know and then you've got the extra stress because they're stressed because you've over programmed them and like you said we've got to let go haven't we and allow them to just be kids as well and I think the pandemics allowed us to do that because we've had to there's no way we can micromanage them <laughs> in this situation no. when we're working doing a house trying to keep our health together as well i think there's been a lot of presentism as well in the same way that we've got it at, at work right it's like when you don't have that much work to do and yet you still feel that you need to be there until six o'clock with the kids has been that sort of feeling like oh no everybody's you, you've got to be doing the homeschooling or working on school stuff until five o'clock because that's the time that after school class would finish or the, the different classes that I will take you to will, will end. And it's coming to that realisation that actually was that needed or can you shift that towards different behaviours or different practices and routines moving forward? Do you have the need to take your kids to tennis class, dance club, horse riding, whatever it is that you were taking them to? Or can they actually drop it and do a couple of things that they really enjoy doing and the rest figure out what you want to do as a family unit? Or even do nothing. I think that I have amazed myself. My kind of biggest realisation, I think, from this experience personally for me has been I used to be really frightened of the school summer holidays because I think, oh, my God, how am I going to fill all this time? And I wasn't the person who had a million plans, but I felt like I always needed to be seen to be doing stuff. And it's been such a relief to not have to pretend anymore or have to try all the time and to realise that they're perfectly happy I mean all the time but some of the time they're perfectly happy just kind of pootling around in their own little worlds and yeah sure they get bored and you know what that's okay that they get bored and out of that boredom comes the best creativity and it's made it's kind of rebooted me in terms of the things that I'm excited about re-engaging with rather than the should and the ought and the must mm. and I love what you're saying there about out of boredom comes creativity I mean before we started recording my song was just playing on the floor with an open umbrella, singing, row, row, row your boat. Amazing. Clearly he was bored, but that got him to do an activity, pretend that he was on a boat and rowing here on the kitchen floor whilst doing that. And I think kids need that. Kids need to be bored, not have everything programmed and kind of let them to have the space and the freedom to see how they see the world and what they make of it. Let them explore. Let them be passionate about things that they discover. Let them be bored about things that they do not like or work out what they want to do with their time. I think that's a beautiful thing, a beautiful gift we can give to our children. Mm. And what we were saying before as well, don't panic if your kids are feeling very uncomfortable at the moment and a little bit anxious because that is where we do grow that resilience. It's okay not to feel okay. We are saying help them, but don't over-rescue them either because they do need to feel difficult feelings. And even just a hug, 
is something that they might need, you know, and we all know that that chemical, the oxytocin is really useful and it does help the nervous system get back into, into balance. So don't think that you've got to overmanage these feelings. These feelings are okay. Just give them that safe space to be able to talk and express and, you know, don't try and fix because then they won't even, they won't feel them, will they? I guess I want to be mindful of the fact that we have talked for most of today from positions of, of enormous privilege about our children's experiences. And it is an incredibly privileged position to be in to talk about how hard it's going to be to break out of the lovely family cocoon and bubble and go back into school. And of course, the reality for a huge number of children is that this has been a deeply traumatic experience, that there's been a stress at home, there's been anxiety at home, there's been conflict at home, and that going back to school might be worrying because perhaps mum and dad might still be at home not going into the office and still fighting or unhappy and the worry that children feel about leaving parents therefore thinking about separation anxiety that's also something to be really mindful of and that's more of a school's approach I suppose rather a parental approach perhaps just being mindful of children for for whom it might be really difficult to come back into the classroom because leaving vulnerable adults at home makes them feel worried and if you are somebody who has had a very difficult time during lockdown and doesn't feel any of this sense of, you know, oh gosh, it's, it, I'm relieved that my children are going back or can see the kind of the good, the good in it or have concerns or, you know, again, just, just to really normalise that experience and say that we have all had a different journey and we've all had our different stresses through this time, some people more than others, some children more than others, but to remind you of the resilience of young people and that when they get back into school, which provides them with that safety and that routine and that consistency and predictability, gives them the food security for people who've really struggled to be able to put food on the table three times a day for the children while they've been at home, whether it's financial reasons or whether it's because there's just no time to be able to step away from work and to be able to create lovely, healthy meals for your children you know all that kind of stuff just again going back to that being kind to yourself and how hard this has been and surviving something is not the same as coming through it unscathed and the work that you might have to do on yourself to be able to recover and to be able to reintegrate into the world is part of a bigger conversation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's great that you highlighted that you know everybody's experience is unique isn't it to this whole situation and I think that's been a big highlight of the whole conversation. Try and connect into how you're feeling and try to connect into how your child's feeling as well. We all do the best we can do with the tools we got at the time. So I really do believe and hope that people are going to be kind to themselves and not look back at this time with regret and think that they should have been doing it better because let's face it, it is an unknown time and we can only do what we can at the time. So be kind to yourself and and keep getting the help you need if you need it. So thank you, Jules, so much. It was really, really kind of you to give this this time and help parents and make them feel that, you know, it's okay not to be okay. And, you know, this is an unprecedented time and get the support you need. So thank you so much for joining us one more week. Thanks for showing us your love and appreciation. And please share the podcast with anyone you think will benefit from it. Leave a comment and subscribe because that helps us to keep giving up this content. And we look forward to seeing you next week. And in the meantime, stay well, stay safe. Lots of love.